Greetings, friends of the apocalypse. This is Jared the Apocalypse Nerd Wallace for Podcast at Ground Zero, episode 23, On the Road Again. Uh, along tonight is uh, our co-host, Adam Scott Glancy, and special uh, co-host this week, Clint Staples. Hey, everybody. And, and uh, Clint, is, uh, Clint is a friend of the show, uh, just a friend of ours in general. Uh, you know, uh, Clint dabbles in a lot of different things, so I'm actually going to let Clint talk for a moment, give, let him, uh, give him a little bio of him, uh, a real quick bio of himself so people know where he's uh, coming from. Clint, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, I've managed to avoid having a, any sort of uh, uh, standard career, um, so uh, I sculpt miniatures. Welcome mini to the club. Yeah. <laughs> sculpt miniatures, write game books. Uh, uh, write fiction, uh, that sort of thing, take care of uh, my family, all of that good stuff. And uh, uh, so that's my that's my job. Um, and cur uh, cur currently, aren't you working uh, on, a, you've been working on a line of uh, post-apocalyptic miniatures as well? Slowly and sh but surely, yeah. Uh, I'm also a gamer, so I, uh, uh, I like to GM, so I came up with a, uh, a world based on a, uh, on a DARPA, uh, submission uh, from about five years ago and uh, uh, came up with a post-apocalyptic world called Ro Robot Wasteland based on it so I'm slowly building uh, models of uh, post-apocalyptic robots that have gone mad and, uh, um, that's always a good start for any apocalypse so again, uh, so Clint is a friend of the show, friend of the apocalypse, you know, because he's he's writing, he's right there, he's right there with us. Uh, so, you know, Clint's written for uh, for Scott. Uh, for, he worked on uh, uh, Mysteries of Mesoamerica. And it only took two or three years to pay you. I can't remember, but it was. <laughs> so there, he, was there was a reckoning. It just took. So Welcome wrote, to gaming. So he so he wrote sir, for for Pagan Publishing. He's also he also writes for. Uh, for Skirmisher Publishing, uh, yes. Dean Infinity, Infinity Live, so our friends uh, Mike, Michael Vahorla and William Thrasher. So all around, and uh, and, and uh, Clint is also from the Great White North. So he, he lives the apocalypse all the time, you know, at least the, the, the white apocalypse, you know, the winter apocalypse, you know. And I'm writing in a post-apocalyptic novel, so there. Excellent! See? You, you, you fits right in. And, and, and it's funny how he said, you know, uh, what you said about uh, the work thing. So out of the three of us here, I'm the only one with a real, with a real job. You, know? you, mean, you mean you're a wage slave. I, am, I, am a, I, I have been working in the corporate world for over ten years, you know. So. Yep, there you go. It, 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 has, it has its perks, but it also... But also Every, every, a little piece of my soul dies every day going into the office. So <laughs> you'll pay off your mortgage before you die. So there's well, that. There's that. Well, yeah, well, first I got to get one. <laughs> and I'm for, I'll be for, I'll be 45 in about a month and a half, and I still don't have a mortgage. So uh, I'll probably die before I pay off a mortgage. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, maybe so, that's a benefit. Maybe that's a benefit. Yeah. I'm just right. Saying. Exactly. Yeah. So, but I haven't like had a mortgage. I have had a mortgage. I already. I have owned property in the past. I did have a mortgage previous. You know, fourteen years ago, I had a mortgage. So, but that well, was. That counts. Yeah. You're you're an adult now. That yeah. counts. Yeah. I got. Uh, I I got my first mortgage when I was like twenty six, twenty seven. So, uh, and then and then when she left me, uh, I wound up having. I wound up selling the house to her. You know, because I couldn't afford it. So. 
I, I'm sure I, I'm I am not sure that we want to hear the way that story turned out because it does not sound like a happy ending. Ah, it's whatever. It's it's a long time ago. But anyway, so on the road again. So this episode, we are not going to be talking about the Willie Nelson song, despite what everybody was probably hoping for. We no. are <laughs> we are going to be talking about transportation in the apocalypse, conveyance. How are you going to get around when it all goes down? So we're going to talk about. You know, some of our favorite and classic modes of post-apocalyptic transportation from movies, TV, potentially books. Now we're going to talk about, you know, the quote-unquote real world, what may we actually try to get around in when it all comes down. Uh, yeah. But first, we're going to do a little, a couple things for in the news. Uh, I don't have anything this week. I did some poking around, and I didn't see anything. I'm sure there's plenty out there, but I was just being lazy. Uh, but Scott Scott has a couple things to uh, show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I have I have uh, come across two new uh, post-apocalyptic updates. One of them is uh, the Rover, which is a Guy Pierce film. And again, I would like to point out that the the other guy who's in it with him is Robert Pattinson, who is from those <laughs> shitty Twilight films. But, oh, really? Yeah, oh. the kid in the, the kid in the car, the guy who's uh, the basic plot of the film is it's some sort of almost apocalyptic Australia. It's like Australia. In the Mad Max film, right? Shit's so breaking down. So it's so it's so it's Australia on a date on a nine to five bait. Yeah, it's just basic Australia. Yeah, it's Tuesday Australia. Yeah, it's, we call it the apocalypse. They call it Wednesday. Yeah. You know, uh, apparently the, the the central government has finally been destroyed by funnel spiders and ringed octopuses and great white <laughs> sharks and fucking saltwater crocodiles and every other horrible fucking thing. They have an Australia that's there to kill you. So this and, is a sci-fi channel movie, then. Yeah, and uh, we're now. Ho ho hopefully, hopefully it's better than that. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it looks beautiful. It's uh, going to be a new trailer for it. First trailer was a minute fifteen seconds. Didn't really tell you anything. The new trailer is uh, like two minutes and, and maybe thirty seconds. I and, now I I have just posted it to the event page on, on yeah. the Facebook page. So if anybody wants to look at it there, I posted it there. So, uh, you know, uh, Guy Pierce is playing a guy who is down to his down to his car and whatever possessions are in the car, and you know he's trying to make it, you know, a sort of a, a, a fugitive or a refugee or something in this collapsing Australia, and some guys steal his car, and during the course of stealing his car, one of the guys gets shot and left behind, and that's Robert Pattinson, and his brother leaves him. To die on the side of the road, they just he and his buddies take off in Guy Pierce's car. Well, apparently that's not good enough for Pierce, who saves the wounded guy's life for the purpose of beating the information about where did your brother go with my car out of him, and then takes him as a kind of a hostage on this cross-continental quest to get his shit back. Um, he must have really liked his shit. Well, that, the, the line, you know, they're throwing up on the on the trailer is, you know, first of all, they go right to, to William Butler Yeats, and if you want some poetic fucking apocalypse, you know, um, what's the line? Uh, um, things fall apart, the center cannot hold, pure anarchy is loosed upon the world, uh, and what rough beast that's our come round at last shuffles towards Bethlehem to be born? Well, um... The other line they keep throwing out is, fear the man with nothing to lose. Uh, whatever's in that car, whether it's, you know, pictures of his dead family or whatever, uh, or, you know, it's actual material goods, 
Um, apparently, Guy Pierce is going to leave a trail of corpses until he gets his things back. And, you know, uh, Pattinson's along as a hostage, but it looks like, you know, sort of in the course of the film, uh, he starts getting a little Stockholm syndrome where he starts becoming more attached to the guy who's holding him hostage than the brother who left him to die. And it just looks incredibly ruthless and grim and dusty. And, you know, again, Australia on a Wednesday. So it looks, it looks like it has some real promise. And it looks gorgeous. It absolutely looks gorgeous as the trailer does. Yeah, look at it. Uh, so I think it said it was, what, uh, in theaters July, it looks like? Yeah. Yeah, certainly that shot. I love that shot on the the uh, trailer with the cars rolling and you're bouncing around inside the car with the guys as it's. You know, well, what, what about this one at the beginning of the trailer where the, he, you see him in the room and all of a sudden you see something, like, go, <laughs> something go past the windows? Like, was that a car? That was, like, that was probably the car that was tumbling, you know? Yeah, well, that's the trick is it looks like that vehicle that rolls is the car that the bandits climb out of and steal his car. Yeah. That's his, introduce, his introduction to these assholes. Uh, one of my favorite little moments is where the train's going by, hauling ore, and there's all these fucking kind of Blackwater armed guards on it. And you just, they just have this look like, yeah, you come within 10 feet or, or 10 yards of the rail line, they're just going to shoot you. you oh, know, that, yeah, no, they, yeah. they, they just have this dead look on their face like, yeah. yeah. Shooting, um, you would, shooting you would break up the ennui. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're like, please, give us something to do. <laughs> yeah. But well, the, uh, that's going on. And the other thing uh, uh, do is, oh, sorry, Clint. No, I was just going to say the, the apocalypse in... In Australia, has got to be pretty damn grim if you think about it. I mean, there, you know, ninety percent of the country is is not far from unlivable now. Yeah. So, you know, when when re when everything falls apart and resources are even scarcer than they are now, um, it's going to get ugly really fast. Even by by the standards of America, you know, you've got uh, some wasteland areas in the sort of uh, uh, Western states where where it's really hard to live, but for the most part, um, it's a pretty livable country. But that's not the case in Australia. Yeah, on the on the coast, you know, within ten miles of the coast, you're not doing bad in Australia. You get much further than that, and it starts to get scary fast. Well, the, the well the Aboriginals lived there inland, you know, so before. Yeah, they, they, yes, but apparently they're made out of beef jerky and anger. So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's not true. Though. They're they're very zen. It's beef jerky and zen. Um, yeah, they did they did fine before the white man came. So you know, fucked everything up. So it looks like a it looks like a whimper apocalypse. It doesn't look like we're talking bombs or war. It looks like slow Yeah, we're running out of fuel. We're running out of food. We're running out of resources. We, we're fucking things up. We're 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 running out of care. We don't care. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the other thing that I want to throw out is this, which is. Uh, how I Live Now. Um, it was uh, apparently made or directed by the same guy who did The Last King of Scotland, if you ever saw that, with um, Forrest Whitaker being uh, fucking Idi Amin. Um, for how I Live Now is uh, basically the idea is American girl goes to England. She's sent there by her parents. Uh, she's meeting family she hasn't met before. While she's in England, London is nuked. There is a nuclear, uh, whether it's terrorism or attack, you know, uh, the, the, the trope doesn't make it clear, but there is a nuclear attack on London. And 
from that point out, she and the, the, the people she's with are stuck between an increasingly fascist central authority and, you know, anarchy. Um, you know, just robbing and stealing. Um, and um, some of the shots from it looked like it was... Uh, uh, it's it's apocalypse looked almost as at least if you look at the trailer online there is a there is a trailer for it. Um, uh, some of their apocalypse looks as good as Children of Men, you know, as far as some of the the, the yuck that it's got. But um, it's called How I Live Now. It is you know um, I'll say it's a kind of a girly apocalypse. We have a female protagonist. She is the central figure of it, and um, a lot of it is revolves around uh, her romantic attachment to. Um, <laughs> uh, her cousin, not her second cousin or third cousin or fourth cousin, but her cousin who she's never met, this English kid. Um, and uh, it's based on a book that was like, you know, when I was reading about this thing coming out, it's like, yeah, the book didn't shy away from the fact that it's her cousin, but the movie like says cousin once and then just, boom, just gets away from that as quickly as possible before it gets, you know, too, you know, too six-toed inbred. But uh, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm not terribly worried about that aspect. I figure in any situation of stress and, 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 and trauma and, you know, they're of the right age for each other, I suppose. And God knows, you know, humanity got away with that for a long time. Um, but uh, How I Live Now is absolutely post-apocalypse, and I've got it right here. And the, uh, the last one I want to mention is when I was at the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival, there's a film called The Sunderland Experiment. And it has a, a, it has a post-apocalyptic aspect to it. Um, the Sunderland Experiment is, is made by these guys. You can, you can, check, you can find their, their website. They've got a Facebook page. They've got, uh, you know, uh, 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 trailers up. And the basic idea is that, yes, our world is fine. There's the, there's the world you and I live in. But off in this isolated desert corner of, of, of Southern California, there's this place with an electrical fence around it. And inside it, the community has been taken over for the last 10 years by some sort of, in, some sort of intelligence, some sort of foreign alien intelligence, which is doing something to the town. Um, I don't want to really throw out any spoilers. You won't be able to see it for a while. It was oh, just at the film. You don't want to throw out spoilers? No, I really don't because it's so good. Oh, okay. Um, it, it must be a, good. <laughs> it was the best thing I saw at the film festival. Now, the fact it was at the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival, that's kind of a spoiler right there. But I don't want to do the thing like where everybody ran up to my uh, Facebook page and puked out every fucking spoiler for um, True Detective, you know, and, and wreck it. Um it's really good, but the the post-apocalyptic aspect of it is, it it has that feeling. We were talking about a few weeks ago about post-apocalyptic dystopias, where you've got this place where civilization is crashed, and then there's this one little civilization where there's kind of a promise of three hots and a cot, and you know maybe you don't have to die in the desert of starvation and dehydration, but when you get inside this community, it's a fucking nightmare. That's what this is. It has that aspect. Like you could imagine this place as something that the that, that you'd find in a post-apocalyptic setting, with these people inside it who have been raised in this environment where they don't even know what things are anymore. Um, 
where words have been changed. So they're one of the most, and I guess I, I guess I'll give this away. The word pregnancy is gone. Nobody's pregnant anymore. But no one's allowed to be pregnant. But women who become pregnant are declared guilty of making war. You have made war. Uh, the sentence is murder. Then they kill them. And uh, that whole thing where they've changed the words, you know, so that people don't even know what to think anymore, uh, was really interesting and really horrible and really had a, a kind of a post-apocalyptic thing where, you know, people lose knowledge, they lose connection with other populations, and they, you know, devolve. That's sort of what's in an apocalyptic trope. That's all my apocalyptic news. Oh, uh, speaking of language... And the change of words, uh, it reminds me of going back to when we were talking about threads. Uh, one of the listeners uh, posted on the, on, the, on the YouTube channel when we were talking about threads, because remember we mentioned about how the degradation of the language was? It, this was somebody from England, from the Sheffield area, and said, he's like, well, I remember growing up, actually, a lot of people said words like that already. So, so really... The way they were talking, because again, we're not from the Sheffield area of England, so we really don't know how the dialect is. Okay. Uh, made assumptions that apparently it wasn't that far off. Because okay. Because they were like, give some. He says they talked like that. They do talk like that to an extent. So okay. it didn't, it wasn't that much of a stretch. I'm like, okay, well, that makes a little more sense because it didn't make sense that yeah. all of a sudden the language is like, what? What is this? What is this? Uh, a thousand years in the future, or something? You know. <laughs> Nobody speaks high English anymore. They, they exactly. Well, I don't think they ever spoke in the first place. But uh, you know. But anyway. All right. So uh, thank you, Scott, for sharing uh, that. Now, yeah, post-apocalyptic vehicles. Let's kind of talk about some of the well-known things, and we're going to talk about again some of our favorite and most well-known post-apocalyptic vehicles. And I'm actually I'm going to let uh, Clint start. Out of all the, you know, post-apocalyptic, you know, either movies or TVs or books, what is your favorite post-apocalyptic vehicle that, that you know of? Well, maybe this is cheating. I'm not sure. Uh, but uh, I, I guess partly because it's so over the top, but one of my favorites is the tank from Tank Girl. Oh, oh, very good. Way uh, to not follow it's the It's not crowd. just a tank. It, it's it's a um, it, it's a Winnebago with a gun on wheels, right? With um, you know, she's got dealy boppers hanging from the from the the outside of it. She's got uh, uh, fuzzy dice hanging on the inside and stuff like that. And she lives in the bloody tank as much as she lives anywhere else. And I I kind of liked that. Uh, uh, that take on things, right? Uh, so that's probably my in fact. Favorite. In fact, I am attempting right now to pull up a uh, a shot of this thing. A couple of good. Sh there's a couple of good yeah, shots. Yeah, Clint, on are you there. talking? Are you talking from the movie or from the comic series? Uh, more from the comic series, really. Uh, I I mean, I saw the movie. I, I enjoyed the movie, but uh, I I read the comics first, and uh, that's where I I really got. Really enjoyed the 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 uh, the whole thing, uh, so. But I mean, there, it's still there. I am at the, freaking awesome in the movie. There I am attempting to 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 uh, show it, and if I'm not mistaken, that was a Stewart, that the 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 uh, the chassis for this thing was a was one of those little Stewart tanks. You got I me. Think. I don't know. But it's darn sexy. 
Yep. And it was even more, I'm sure it was even more crazy looking in the comic, you know? Yes, yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, you know, the whole, I, I can't remember the artist's name right now, but the, 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 the art style uh, made the whole thing. The tracks were smaller than the, uh, than the body of the tank and stuff like that, and it was uh, uh, slightly cartoonified, uh, and it really worked for me. Well, again, again, very, very good, very good for not going with the standard five answers, you know. <laughs> so, thank, thank you, Clint. Um, Scott, uh, what, what is your favorite post-apocalyptic vehicle? Oh, you know, um, that's a tough one, um, uh, especially since after having been outclassed, completely outclassed by Mr. Staples, <laughs> I'm, I'm hesitant to say the Landmaster because. In a lot of ways, the Landmaster is my favorite um, uh, post-apocalyptic vehicle. Um, in so far, I mean, not the least of which because uh, it was, you know, uh, so iconic. Uh, and, it and, was the only, only and thing for, worth and, it. And for anybody who doesn't know, the Landmaster is from the Damnation Alley uh, movie. Yeah, let me see if I can pop up a lovely picture of the Landmaster here. Um do, 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 do. There we go. There's a good shot of it. Let's go view image. Back there's there's a there's Jan Michael Vincent sticking his head out of the top of it when he was still sober. I guess you guys can see that now. Yep. There's the Landmaster. Now the thing that we sh I, I feel stupid about is uh, Jared. Do you remember who built the Landmaster? Have you done the research on that? Uh, uh, I, it's 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 out it's out there. I just don't remember off the top of my head uh, who who it is. Okay, and it is still around. I want to point out that. Let me just. Uh, oh yeah, some, somebody yeah, there's really somebody owns it. They're trying to restore it, and it's funny was that even in the '80s there was a uh, the couple of those Amico commercials that they used the Landmaster in like the, the mid to early yeah. '80s. So the Road Warrior. Yep. In fact, um, I don't know if you guys can see that uh, very well, but that is actually the uh, Landmaster with the accordion uh, link between the two sections removed and one of the Sandman cars next to it uh, from uh, Logan's Run, the right. post-apocalyptic TV yep. series, that turned up in the in the Tom Petty video. Uh, there was some Tom Petty uh, video, that the name which is completely escaping me. Um, but it showed up. So yeah, the land. You, you got you got lucky. You got lucky. Yeah. I think that's the name of the song. So the landmaster, the landmaster is still around. And let me go ahead and hit this. Here it is, sitting next to a Mercedes, so you can sort of get the, the scale of the son of a yeah. bitch. It's fucking huge. Um, you gotta wait until the EM50 comes along for uh, a post-apocalyptic ride that promised as much. Death and comfort in the same space. Um, I, I'm gonna. I, I. I really. You know, because when it comes to post-apocalyptic rides, much like Tank Girl's Tank, um, everybody wants to. You know, everybody wants their crap. Everybody wants their supplies, their party, their group. You know, to be all in one space. You want to be able to. You know, we have this fantasy that it's. Uh, you know, the Winnebago of death that you're gonna cruise around the post-apocalyptic landscape in. And um, it's why the Landmaster gets the thumbs up over, say, the loss of the VI interceptors. In that, you know, it's it's harder to camp in that thing. There's not room for anybody. But then again, that was kind of Max's deal, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, he didn't want anybody with it. No. 
So uh, yeah, so that's uh, you know the Landmaster, and then I would say my favorite. But again, it's hard for me to say this is my favorite because I you know I've never actually seen what it's supposed to look like because it's from a book. You know, it is uh, only described, but it's hard to imagine what it really looked like. Was you know the War Wags from the Deathland series? Oh yeah, you know, War Wag One, War Wag Two. Um, I would say I'd, that would be my favorite if, from a novel perspective, from not actually seeing what it actually looks like. So I don't really, you don't really know except what your mind makes it up from the brief descriptions. So uh, I'm gonna have to go with I'm gonna have to go with something from the real world that we've actually can see. And of course, I am gonna go with I'm gonna give the default answer. I am gonna go with. Uh, the Mad Max V8 Interceptor, because I've been in love with that fucking car from the day I saw it in the theaters in uh, 1982. Love that car. Thought it was badass. I, I cried when it rolls over and burns. I cried like a bitch. Absolutely, because because you know me, I'm a bit a little bit of a gearhead, so I like I like cars, I like fast cars, I like old cars. So I'm definitely gonna have to go with that uh, for for my uh, favorite. I'm gonna try and find a picture of it on. I mean, there's a few shots of it, but the oh, problem is if, if they don't if they don't know what it looks like, then they need to stop watching. <clears throat> but <laughs> there's been there's been these companies you were telling me about up here in the Pacific Northwest that build them. Well, no, it wasn't. I don't think they build them. I think they, there's a company in Australia. That, now, mind you, this is research that's 10 years old. I don't know if they're still doing it, but there's enough of them out there I've seen out there. Because you see, like, a, apparently with the Wasteland Weekend that they do on the desert for the last few years now, you, there's, like, a bunch of uh, uh, Mad Max and <laughs> Falcons out there. So yeah. somebody, somebody's redoing them. Uh, there was, I remember years ago, a a company in Australia that was doing them and shipping them back. I mean, after 10 years ago, they were, like, it was like forty, fifty thousand dollars to have that done, you know. Yeah. So it's probably even more now because again, it's things are more expensive, harder to get the parts, harder to find do the it, cars. They would do it, uh, you know, uh, pre-max retrofit with the big tanks, or you could do it with the big tanks. Either, either, either way that you wanted, uh, you could do that. Yeah. So. So, all right, so those are you know, folks. Again, it's one of some of our favorites. Then there's got you know, there's all these other you know, iconic post-apocalyptic vehicles out there. Like you said, we saw the picture of the uh, the vehicle, the Sandman vehicle from the Logan's Run TV series, uh, which they got they got around in. Uh, there's also Arc 2, the Arc, the vehicle from the TV show Arc 2, you know, which is a Saturday morning cartoon here in the uh, States, or live-action well, show. Yeah, live-action show. Let me, um, I've actually, I'm going to try and uh, make those work too here, so let's go View image. Um, let's try doing a little screen share on that. That's the front end of the Arc 2 right there. Um, and it was built on a dump truck chassis, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it looks um, like it. And here's some other shots of it. Let's go view image. Yeah, it's it's you know it's you know, it's been confused it's been confused with the Landmaster, but it's not the same vehicle. It's all the scientific vehicle uh, type type thing. But um, also, I think they've also modeled some of the, the vehicles from the Mara Project game. You had the vehicles. Well, a lot of the vehicles they used were a lot of like they used a lot of like Lav twenty fives or set Lav seventy fives for the in in the uh, in the bolt holes. But then you also had like the Mars units and stuff, which had the giant. Oh well, let me let me just show you this. I found transportation vehicles. Um, 
Let's go view image. There we go. Check this shit out, sir. Okay. There, from Mara Project. It's some of the scientific one, Mars one, and yeah. they even have the Landmaster. Yep, of course. Well, it's, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it said it was a, you know, it's a set of standard there. So, but, um, yeah, so there's a lot of, you know, there's, uh, I'm trying to think, I mean, you see a lot of things like, you know, the Landmaster, uh, uh, what else? I said the Arc 2, uh, we have the Tank Girl. Um, like, uh, what other what other iconic or well-known uh, post-apocalyptic vehicles can we actually think of uh, that my people might recognize? I mean, do you have any, do you have any uh, other ones in, uh, that you might be able to, off the top of your head, Clint, that you can think of? Uh, not uh, not named ones like the Landmaster or, or uh, the Interceptor. Uh, um, the... I love the the dune buggies and stuff that uh, that they had in the later uh, Mad Max ones that were less less car and more cobbled together framework with an engine and wheels. Mm -hmm. uh, they they obviously were not you know California st Baja style dune buggies. These were uh, X cars that uh, uh, that someone had not even bothered to keep the fenders and and hoods and and uh, chassis on uh, for whatever reason and. Uh, uh, I always thought that that really sold the the uh, the Mad Max uh, universe for me. Yeah, because because yeah, because as it like those later movies were further and further away from the event. So yeah. there's you know when they first happened, yeah, yeah, the cars are still intact. But I guess after right. a while, but after crashes and this and that, just fuck it, just rip, don't even bother with it because it's not going to last anyway, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, get rid of the chassis and weld on some uh, some perforated uh, steel plate for me and stuff like that. You know, give me a roll cage and and that kind of stuff because it's not like I got a road anymore. You know, in the first in the first movie there was there was a road to ride on, but in the second movie there's not much in the way of road. It's all driving across the desert and shit. So you know what we forgot about because it's it's kind of a rip off of. Uh, well, we haven't forgot. We just we're still moving along here. Yeah, so. Is uh, the Dead Reckoning? Oh yeah, you're right. The Dead Reckoning from the Land of the Dead, uh, the yeah. uh, not, not so good Romero film. Uh, yeah, yeah. The Dead Reckoning, which was the big truck that had been retrofitted with you know all the gear and rocket launchers and whatnot, and militarized as it were. <clears throat> um, that was yeah, that was, and, that, was a, that was a cool vehicle as well. Uh, but what was f funny about that vehicle was, which I hated towards the end, like when everything was done, they when they were leaving, remember they were shooting off oh. the, the flares because like, oh, we're not going to need these anymore because, you know, apparently the it became ineffective against the zombies. And it's like, well, that's the zombies by you. What about when you go 500, 1,000 yes. miles away? What yes. is, unless there's some kind of hive mind and they all... You know, oh nope, doesn't work in any zombies anymore, which is stupid. Yeah, I, I, well, since the zombies are no longer dragged by the flick, you mean the zombies in this one kilometer square area that have been right. constantly exposed to them for a long time, whereas the other ones, guess what? They haven't seen it yet. Yeah, well, and the zombies actually have memories longer than goldfish. Yeah, I, you know, I could, I, 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 I accepted that from Bub. You know. Bub the zombie. I, I put up with that from Bub, but then when it starts coming into this thing where 
somehow the zombies are a metaphor for the third world being exploited or we're taking their stuff. I'm like, really? Are they using their stuff? I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, the idea that, oh, you're coming into their towns and taking... They're not doing anything except waiting for us so that they can eat us. And suddenly it's this metaphor for American imperialism. I'm like, um... No. <laughs> Just didn't buy it, George. Um, yeah, and, but there was the dead reckoning. Uh, it was, uh, and I suppose in that same way we should throw up the truck from, well, we got a number of war trucks. We got the truck from Road Warrior, from Mad Max 2, and we got the truck from the New Zealand movie, <coughs> uh, Warlords of the 21st Century, otherwise known as Battle Truck. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep, with the big 50 caliber machine guns hanging off of it. Yep. You know? Um, yes, and the, and the big sound system uh, built into it. And wasn't there, what, was there, wasn't there one with motorcycles? Was it, um, oh, God, what was it? Uh... There's always motorcycles in the post-apocalypse, and that's a good, actually, that's a good point right there. As far as post-apocalyptic vehicles, you know, um, uh, a, a, a little two-stroke, two-cylinder motorcycle is a hell of a lot easier to maintain than a whole car. Oh, absolutely. I mean, a lot of people, you know, but they, you can't carry all your stuff. But yes. you could be very mobile. You could get uh, around, in and out, in and out of traffic, trees, things like that. Traffic so, jams, off-road. Yeah. So let's uh, let's maybe go into maybe that uh, area now. Uh, like what? Like what? What would we really? <laughs> What would we really be riding around in the apocalypse? Okay, again, we all know everybody's uh, going to uh, want their their cars, their trucks. Probably, um, a, probably a hearse. Oh, I have to throw out. This is for Mish McIntyre. If Mish McIntyre is watching this, I have to throw out her favorite post-apocalyptic vehicle, the white panel truck from Zack Snyder's Day of the Dead. When they, because uh, because uh, they they there's a scene where they come up to the the mall with that big white panel truck and back over the zombies, and it's just one splattered zombie head on the back of the truck after another. Every time the apocalypse comes up, Mish is like, "Are there going to be white panel trucks?" You know, that was her question about Daisy. Was I'll play Daisy, but only if there's a white panel truck I can back over the zombies with. So, don't forget the big white panel truck. And of course, there were the post-apocalyptic vehicles that they made for getting out of the mall in the remake of Dawn of the Dead. Well, yeah, well, you're always going to get, you know, you're cobbled together. I mean, you just, it depends on, a lot of it's going to depend on your scenario. It's like, is it zombies? Is it other people? You know, people are going to, you know, get your trucks, get your vehicles. you got to move stuff around. You know, are you going to find, are you going to find an old tank? Can you drive a tank? You know, uh, I mean, everybody think, you know, has its things, but I think one of the most overlooked, and I, I was a saying before the show, I was reading a couple of quick articles about that, and I was chatting with uh, Clint earlier today uh, over you know over the computer, and he brought up a point that I was going to bring up is uh, bicycles. Yeah. Bicycles are very overlooked, you know. So, and, and like Clint, so what's your, what is your thoughts on, on bicycles, and why do you think they're so overlooked in the in, you know, apocalyptic stories and stuff like that, but in the real world, it would be a practical means of transportation? Because they are not sexy. I they're, think... They are just not sexy. 
You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, uh, we were talking about Dies the Fire, the Sam Sterling uh, series and, and stuff like that. And they're talking about in there these um, Scottish or uh, uh, resurrected Scottish longbow uh, militia riding around on their bicycles, uh, sniping at the, uh, the SCA night uh, uh, bad guys in, in, uh, uh, in Washington and stuff like that. And... I mean, I I enjoyed some of those books, but I just have trouble seeing that in a film. I, I can I can gloss over it in a book, uh, but the I, and I understand totally the the practicality of it. And I would probably be on a bike if I was in that situation, but it just is not sexy in a in a film. Yeah, that is a hundred percent true. But in the real world, I think it is a practical means of transportation because again, because again, because eventually. Fuel, you're gonna you're gonna run low on fuel. You're gonna run low on mechanical parts. You're gonna run low, again, depending on your 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 scenario. Was it a viral viral outbreak where you lost a lot of population? You know, you're are you gonna have the skilled people to maintain your cars, uh, the parts, the gas? Eventually, yeah, at the beginning, sure, you're gonna siphon gas and this and that. But eventually. It's gonna run. It's gonna get. It's gonna get sparse, and then you might get, like I said, the motorcycles because they get better gas mileage. But eventually, for every day, easy to get around stuff. Bicycles. There are. Uh, I was just reading some statistics on that. What do they say that uh, every year there's like 11 to 14 million? What is it? Um, in the United States, annual bicycle sales at the 20-inch wheel size and above run 11 to 14 million a year. There is a lot of fucking bicycles out there, you know. Yeah, yeah and you know what that means? A lot of replacement parts. Yes, exactly. Right? Uh, and even if you're not finding, uh, even if all those bicycles are no longer in working order, right? I mean, there's only so many things you can pull off of a car, and only for so long. Mm -hmm. Right? Even if get, even if you can find all the gas and stuff like that, where are you going to get fresh tires from? Fresh you know, lubricants, oil. Fresh tires, fresh hoses, fresh oil, all that kind of stuff. Trans right? Transmission fluid. Absolutely. Spark, spark yeah. plugs. All that stuff. Whereas <laughs> the, the complicated things on bicycles are gears, and all you have to do is find other bicycles. Yeah. To, you know? Yeah. So. Um, and, and I, th I think the learning curve for bicycle repair, bicycle <laughs> repair man is, um, <laughs> sorry, or, the bicycle repairman could be the guy you want to see post-apocalypse. I'm just exactly, saying. Exactly, exactly, because the learning curve is, I think, a lot easier for that. Like, somebody could figure out how to replace a tire or change a wheel. Even the gear, you know, like I said, you know, like, you know some of the things I haven't done myself on a bike, but, you know, I'm mechanically inclined enough, I can figure it out. You know, I know enough. I was like, okay, you know what? I haven't changed the, uh, the you know, the gear sprocket, but you know what? I can figure it out. Uh, I haven't changed, you know, the the crank, you know, the the pedal crank in the center. I've, you know, but I can figure it out. I give them, you know, brakes and cables and shit like that. You know, there's a point where people might even use brakes. They'll use their feet, you know. But the base structure and getting wheels on it and the pedal yeah, not not chain, having any not having any brakes on your bike is a hell of a lot different than not having any brakes on your fucking car. On your yep. car, even in the post-apocalypse, you got to stop. You got to yeah. stop. Yeah. So I think bicycles are very over overlooked. Because uh, what did the, uh, the article said something was um, uh, they're talking about, about people write these books about you know 
uh, talking about like grannies is one that assumes that mo most of these authors are familiar with these things with uh, with these things with their horse or, or, or procedures for building an engine that runs on ethanol. You know, uh, perhaps rather than consulting their local resources, they could look at how people travel in poor countries where electricity and infrastructure are scant. You know, bicycles are more common than horse-drawn carriages. You know, you look at a lot of these, you know, smaller countries where they just, bikes are everywhere. Bicycle, yeah. it is such a mainstream of transportation. Why would it not still be looked at? Yeah, you get your flat tires, but again, you could replace tires. You could find, I think there'd be enough replacement supplies for a while. But eventually, tubes are going to go, rubber tires are going to wear out. You know, you, so, gonna, and what you're going to have is you're going to have people creating tires. Um, out of the materials that bike tires used to be made out of, yeah. uh, some of the earliest ones were wooden, uh, were wooden uh, 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 wheels. Sometimes with <clears throat> an iron rim on it. And is it does it suck? Yeah, but compared to a rubber tire, but it's still there's an there's a energy uh, efficiency. Uh, there is a, a mechanical advantage. Oh, absolutely. You know, and this article talks about uh, again. There's one of these articles. I'll post this uh, there, folks, too. They talk about. Uh, the you know the ratio of energy you know spending on walking it's like you could spend the same you spend the same amount of uh, uh, energy uh, riding a bike than walking and you you're, you get you get that much farther and we've got and now we have in, in this country we're develop you know people are building those carriages for their kids to you know, on the backs of bikes and cargo yep. uh, uh, yep. wagons for bikes you know those are there's there's a fair amount of those around plus you could improv some of that you know. Uh, building a, a cart that the that the that the bike could pull, uh, that would you know bang into the back of the bike when you put on the brakes, so it would have a, a, a firm you know lead. You get, your, you get your you get your little red wagon, your radio flyer somehow, red wagon and attach it to the back somehow, you know. Yeah. So the uh, the other things I want to say about bikes um, is it has shown up in a few things. The one I always remember is the stand. Yes. Um, I don't remember if they did it in the movie as much. I think they did, but. Um, uh, Glenn Bateman and Tom Cullen bike across America, and because they're on bikes, they get around the huge traffic jams, you know, the, 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 a lot of the destruction. Um, well, the one thing I want to point out about bikes, and it's something that um, uh, your, your least favorite person mentioned in your least favorite book, is that the bicycle is the one vehicle you can pick up and carry. Yep. Yeah, when something goes wrong, the terrain's not cooperating, you can just carry your damn vehicle, you know, or walk it, you know, and, and there's not a lot of things you can do that with. And, 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 and finally, the one thing I love about bikes is that uh, back to Twilight 2000, my all-time favorite thing of all favorite things. Uh, no offense, Cthulhu, but, you know, Twilight 2000. Um, there's a bit in uh, the free city of Krakow one of the one of the scenarios that the uh, the one city that has been spared uh, you know a military occupation or a direct hit by you know nukes or airstrikes the city of Krakow down the Vistula River and uh, they've got factories going that yep. are producing new goods and one of the things that they're selling for trade is bicycles they're manufacturing bicycles out of you know they got something that'll push out those 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 tubes of those steel tubes and weld them into the right shapes, and uh, bicycles are a huge trade item, uh, or at least, you know, I love the idea that the players are seeing people, you know, tootling along, you know, uh, on, on foot, and then later they're seeing, like, you know, an ox-drawn wagon filled with bicycles. 
where somebody's bringing these things out of the city that, yeah, they're making stuff. Um, but the bicycle seemed like the perfect, you know, you don't have to feed it. It doesn't require water like a horse. It doesn't require special training. It won't kick you in the head and kill you. Um, it's not skittish. Uh, it doesn't go into heat, you know. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> as long as you've got calories, it's got fuel. And in fact, it's a power takeoff device, right? In the same way that you can use uh, a, a horse to do what a man can do on a treadmill or something like that to uh, power a, a grain mill or uh, something like that or even turn a dynamo and produce electricity, you can, just like uh, Gilligan's Island, you can hook up your bicycle, right? Yeah. And you put enough of those bicycles together, and you can put you can do electricity. You can uh, uh, you can grind grain. You can turn machinery, not in the same scale that you could using uh, hydroelectric power by any stretch, but in a scale that might be very useful to a bunch of sur survivors in a post-apocalypse. Yeah, when you need to charge, recharge that car battery. You need to recharge that car battery. Yeah. And that's all there is to it. So uh, yeah, that's that. I think. Uh, Bikes are such an overlooked resource. Again, and I, I think Clint summed it up. When it comes to movies and TVs, bikes are not sexy. Therefore, they're not there. But they're they're everywhere. I have two down in my garage. Okay, I there there are bikes everywhere. It's, yeah. it's you know, and it's like let's say, let's see you know let's see I could you know since I can't I can't drive my car because the power went out for whatever reason. Well, I could walk I could walk you know twenty miles to the next town, or, hey, you know what, I'm going to take one of these bikes laying around, I'm going to get there real quick, you know, I'm going to ride a fucking bike, uh, I'm not going to find a horse to do it, because, you know what, I don't know how to fucking ride a horse, and they're a lot more to maintain than, you know, um, you can leave, the, you can leave a bunch of bikes in a bike store for 20 years, come in, and as you can, if you can pump the tires up with a manual pump, and if you can find some grease for the axles, you can probably still make it go even if it's not greased. It'll just be horrible and bad for the bike. But you can't leave the horses in a barn for three weeks, unwatered, unfed. They'll die. Exactly. So. And a bike doesn't have to like you. No. Right? No. Well, I don't know. I, I might no, beg to differ with you. I've, 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 I've had some bikes that didn't like me before and <laughs> the trouble. So. Uh, Fair enough. A, but a bike won't kick you in the head. Uh, again, bike, again, I'm going to disagree with you there because I <laughs> bike bikes don't get twisted up intestines, go sick, require a vet. They if they get shot with a bullet, they you know there's a hole in the frame. I guess it's still going until the frame breaks. You know. All right, but let's move away from the practicality of the bicycle in the apocalypse. I want to talk with the little time we have left. I want to talk about cool shit, cool okay. things to drive around in the apocalypse. The the cool thing I want to drive around in. I want to drive around in the giant freaking, uh, you know, the giant airport fire trucks. Those things are freaking beasts. <laughs> okay. Hopefully, you only have about six miles to wherever you need to go. Yeah, but they're they're good for the short. You know, these big well, giant things. Miles, they are. They're awesome. With these war cannons, they're big. They're hefty. Those are cool. Or it's cool to get one of those vehicles, like some of those vehicles, those special vehicles they make to go over, that were going over to uh, the Middle East, like a lot of those uh, heavy... There you go. It's the Buffalo Ambush Vehicle. I'm going to go ahead and put the screenshot up. There it is. There, our lovely 
model Vanna next to it. That could be War Wag One, motherfucker. That look at that thing is a fucking. That's a beast, and it's designed to have things blow up under it, and you're fine. Oh yeah, well there's also some other vehicle. There's like this company that like makes like these buses and trucks and totally armors them out. And I can't remember the company who does it, but we get some bad. There's some badass like heavy duty vehicles. I mean, because um, oh, you know, but here, what about here? What about let's talk about. Well, here's another cool vehicle. You can store a lot of stuff in it. It's heavily armored. It may stink like a motherfucker, but what about dump trucks? You know, garbage trucks. You know, in a pinch. Oh yeah, I mean, how thick? How thick are the walls on uh, on garbage trucks? Man, you could you could hide in that thing and uh, hide behind the thing and not get shot. You know, they are APCs for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, uh, the, like certainly the, the the Twilight 2000 favorite, the Lav 25. Lav 25. Uh, those were also used uh, in uh, the 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 Guardian series, uh, the the series of books, the Guardians from the 80s. Hey, they, hey, Clint. Um, this this these miniatures you're working on. Are you working on any vehicle miniatures? Just out of curiosity, or have you done? Uh, I have. Uh, excuse me. <clears throat> excuse me. No, I haven't so far. Um. Uh, the uh, the miniatures that I've done so far have all been of uh, of robots, and the idea is that uh, uh, there were uh, uh, that the robots uh, effectively took over. Uh, the DARPA uh, proposal that I uh, that I used as the basis of the the game was this thing for these autonomous uh, self fueling robots that could basically take in fuel from the environment. Um, these these yeah. aren't the these aren't the flesh-eating robots I read about like ten years ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. flesh-eating robots. Yep. Yeah, that's. So what I, just, I just took it, uh, you know, in the in the, the the logical game extension of that, and I've got you know uh, robots with chainsaw mouths and shit like that. Uh, well, uh, that, so it's, it sounds like a lot of shit from like it sounds like the ABC Warriors from like uh, 2000 AD almost. I don't know what that is. Uh, 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 I'm sorry, 2000 AD was the English uh, serial comic newspaper that's been uh, coming out since like the 70s. Okay. Uh, Judge Judge Dredd was from there. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the ABC Warriors was one, because they had like, they didn't have Judge Dredd, they had Judge Dredd and Slain, the Stronium Dog, they had all these different stories within right. the 2000 AD comic. Uh, the ABC Warriors were these this crew of robots in this future where there's, like, there's a lot of robots. Apparently it's like a robot world, and they had things like cr chainsaw mouths and crazy-ass shit like that, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, my store on, in ArmorCast, but you can take a look at them and stuff. What I like about, uh, to start, just, just as an aside, and I'll get off of this, is I like the idea that you're doing the robots because there's a lot of post-apocalyptic miniatures out there as far as human figures. Yeah. But what, what don't exist are the robots to, to, to kill and eat them. I mean, yeah. you know... So it makes perfect sense that you know you're not going to waste your time drawing, doing. Oh, look, another scavenger looking in the you know in the ruins. That's not the point. The point is more fucking robots. Yeah, uh, I don't have time to, to sculpt every figure that, that could exist for that. Uh, I'm just doing the ones that that don't exist for it. If you yeah. know what I mean. So, yes, yes, uh, that's the exact right answer. That is the right answer. Um, uh, other uh, other cool vehicles. I mean, obviously, one of the things I always find amusing is when they pretend that uh, well, the EMP is going to knock out all of the your OnStar and your you know and your uh, your high tech recent vehicles. So clearly, the only vehicles that survive 
uh, into the, in the apocalypse or, or, or old school muscle cars. <laughs> well, but that's bullshit too because even yes, with, yes, it is. But yeah, there is electrical wiring in those as well. But it's it's a lot it's a lot limited. So you yeah. could actually get those going again because there's actually, um, you know what? Now I don't have it. Uh, I have to dig it up. I'll have to try to find it for next show. Is um, I still have my American Survival Guide magazines that I read in the mid to early '80s, and there was one with a, an advertisement for a system. This device that you could like, if the EMP hits and your older cars from the 70s, that you could hook up to bypass all the burnout wiring to get the car to start and run again, you know, because yeah. all you really need is all you really need is wiring going from uh, the the coil and the distributor, uh, which creates the electricity that goes to the spark plug wires to the spark plug. Spark plugs cause the spark, which causes the fuel to ignite, which causes your cylinders to move. So you just really need wiring going there, and some kind of electrical wiring power going for the battery to the starter to turn to crank the engine over. There's not a whole lot of wiring that you really need to have the car run. Do you need lights? Do you need speedometers, radios? No. You, do, you just need the engine to run. So you could probably make that ha uh, make that happen. So them showing the old cars logically makes sense because you could probably rig that with some wiring that didn't get burnt out from EMP or anything, you yeah, know? I want to point out... Fair, what we're dealing with there is the sexy aspect again. Yes! Right? Yes. It, it, that's, the, the, that's why the muscle cars survive, because yeah. if you're going to drive a post-apocalyptic car, it should be a 72 GTO, right? Uh, I, um, I was just thinking that in Jericho, it was a 69 Plymouth Roadrunner. Yeah. In black, because, you know, it's in black. <laughs> What other color could it possibly like? They're going to be driving around, you know, in a VW microbus. No. Well, they it's, might, you know, but uh, they'd be solving crimes, you know. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. yeah. Now that I think of it, the uh, the VW bug turns up in Woody Allen's sleeper. Yes. When they go in the cave and there's a 200 year old Volkswagen and it starts up on the first try. My my dad said he was in the theater watching that movie, and he said he could tell who the VW owners were because they all <laughs> cheered when the, when the VW turned on the first try. I was like six guys just like yes, goddamn right. And I'm just like okay. Well, but then but also from the VW frame and chassis, you had your California yeah. the buggies, yeah. and uh, sand rails are all based off of that that. That basic frame with the VW engine in the back. Oh, you know? and and the armored attack vehicle that uh, uh, that they make uh, in Warlords of the 21st Century, it's a VW. It's a VW frame that he builds this little armored vehicle to take on the battle truck. Oh, speaking so, of which, there's a pair of uh, brother inventors somewhere in the states that are making heavily armored tracked mini tanks. <laughs> I kid you not. They're they're uh, trying to to the government. Uh, I saw them on on uh, Netflix, and they're they're uh, they're about the size of a uh, uh, of an off road uh, four wheeler, uh, like a uh, uh, sort of like the uh, the the sitting sit the ride on the ride on um, uh, four wheelers, and uh, but it's all uh, heavily armored. Uh, and it looks wicked cool. It's got the sexy factor, no question. And <laughs> it can stand up to 50 caliber rounds. Oh, nice. really? And those uh, are those exist today. Uh, that's, that, those, those exist today. 
You know what won't stand up to 50 caliber rounds is those Lav 25s and M113 armor personnel carriers. Yep. You know, there's a lot of that stuff. Even the Bradley. Um, those fucking 50 caliber rounds will, go, will punch in one side. And if they don't leave the other side, they'll rattle around in there with the crew. Yep. So... There's, there's also these. Uh, what, have, what have I seen? Uh, I think they have them more like in the north or cold weather. Is they have these conversions for like four wheel trucks, like these mini, they, these tread conversions that like they replace the whole wheel, the the wheel, like the the wheel. They take that off and the uh, the drums and stuff, and they put like these tracks, like these little wheel, like these little. Each wheel is like this little triangular shaped uh, track on there, so they could. Go over anything. So that would make a good looking per, you know, to get yourself a nice big giant diesel powered Ford <laughs> F-150, and each wheel is a mini fucking track. Oh, driving that thing around to be intimidating and sexy as hell, you know. Well, yeah. there's a Canadian company that used to make those called Barbardier in Quebec. Uh, okay. My wife's dad actually owned one of those uh, in the 60s and 70s. Oh, nice. It's a big freaking truck, and it's got skis in the front and tracks in the back. It's like a skidoo uh, on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> It'll seat about five people. But it's only good in the snow because you got the seat in the, the front. Yeah. You know? yeah. But the thing is, you could. Uh, uh, it wouldn't be that hard to put wheels on the front in place of those skis. Yeah. Right. Just like you put can swap skis or wheels on an on a on an Otter aircraft or that kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of things that would be cool. Like I said, I, I like the I like the fire truck. You know, I mean, you got you like oh, you get your deuce and a quarters, uh, school buses, things like that. It's it's tough to beat the deuce and a half. It really is. Um, yeah, that, that's a big that's a big sturdy honking just piece of metal that's designed to run. Yeah, know, for, for or, or or those five ton trucks that are semi amphibious that the army has now that were all over that are so tall that they were all over. New Orleans during Katrina, because they could run through four or five feet of water. What and about hovercraft? Let's 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 go. Let's get one of those like let's get one of the, let's get one of those Marine Corps hovercrafts. You know? uh, that, yeah, that's fine until you know we were. You know, maybe, so, so, sounds like a bit of a maintenance hog to me. Yeah, um, you, you might you might get one trip out of it. Okay, well let's get something else now. I'll, you know? I'll drive it till it breaks, which will probably be like one fuel tank, and then I broke it. If if that aircraft right, the what hovercrafts and aircraft, dude. Uh, I don't think you're going to see any of those in the post-apocalypse, just because well, aircraft have enough trouble staying in the air now. So well, was yeah right. Well, simple simple aircraft, yes. Now, when it comes to things like, and they mentioned this in one of our favorite novels, uh, the Eternity Road. Year, you know, like it's because the book. I think what is the book? Scott was like about a hundred, hundred fifty years after. Uh, no, it's, it's it's much much longer. I mean, it, I remember it being. It was like two hundred. It wasn't much more than that, though. I think it was. I think it was. My my recollection was it was. You know what? Let's just go ahead and hit the Wikipedia. My recollection was it was a thousand. No, because, no, 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 no. It wasn't because that Because there was such a huge uh, bounce back from the population. Uh, um, but go ahead. You were saying. One of the things they have is like they 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 come across. Spoiler alert. They come across this old airfield. And there's these—it's just all these uh, jets that are parked there, uh, and they're no good, of course, because they've been sitting for too long. Because that's one thing I've read about. They say that a modern modern jet aircraft, like especially fighter jets, have to be maintained constantly. Because if you let them sit for five years, they're done. Because the wiring, the wiring, the components are so 
sensitive and they're so volatile that they degrade in like no time, even if you're not using them. According to Wikipedia, it's 1,700 years. Oh, I didn't think it was that long. Yeah. And um, you, know, you know Wikipedia is always right, of course. But uh, Yes. Yes, it is. Um. <laughs> all right. But I, I, I could be wrong. It's, it's longer, but... Yeah, jets. Yeah, you're definitely not going to see jets. They're not going to last very long. You know, it's cool to think that some some uh, robber baron, you know, uh, who's taking over your area, somehow got a hold of a, a, a an A10 warthog and he's threatening the locals by driving and strafing. But you know what? Well, you know that might last for a little while if you could get somebody to fly one of those things. But I, I, I keep thinking of um, I keep thinking of two things when you say that. One is. Um, there was this, uh, I'm trying to remember what movie it was I, was I was watching, but there was this thing about how this company was selling jet aircraft to these two rival tribes on this island, you know, so as part of their deal to exploit the local resources. And they're like, really? So they're, you know, F-17, you know, fighter jets, supersonic, you know, do, do they, have we, you know, are we, do we have a pilot training program? Oh, no, sir, no, not at all. They just push them downhill at each other. And they, and then they crash together at the bottom oh, of the house, which means we're guaranteed resales over and over and over again. It's like, oh, good, that's excellent. Um, yeah, so so they're so they're not gonna, you know, jets won't last. Aircraft are gonna degrade. And, and, and the cavemen, the cavemen in Battlefield Earth, where the cavemen in Battlefield Earth go from cavemen who literally speak to each other by going, <laughs> and then they're flying fucking Hawker Harrier jump jets before the end of the movie. Yay! That seems likely. Thank you. Oh yeah. Thank you, Scientology. <laughs> so yeah, so there's a there's a lot of vehicle. But, I mean, don't, what a, we can't forget the auto gyro captain. Oh, of course. Well, well, again, that's that's a simple. Well, for an aircraft, it's there's not much to it. You know, it's just it's basically got a VW engine and the configuration for you know you know. You know, rudder and propeller. That's it. You know, there's, no, there's yeah. not a whole lot to it. There's not a lot of sophisticated. Uh, uh, what it, it, is the, it is the motorcycle of airplanes. It is. Yep. And, mo and motorcycles is something I've, I've again, it's kind of an, it's kind of a, it's a sexier uh, bicycle. <laughs> but I've always thought motorcycles, not your, not Harley Davidsons, not your fucking, you know. 1,600-pound giant fucking hogs that could only ride on the street. I'm yeah. talking like, you know, uh, motocross, off-road bicycle, bicycle off-road uh, motorcycles, I think, would be a fantastic apocalypse vehicle, especially like in a zombie scenario because you have crowded roads. Uh, these things could go off-road, on-road. They could go in between tight places. I always indoors. saw motorcycles indoors. I always saw motorcycles you know, yeah, you're not protected. Yeah, you can't carry a lot of shit, but you could get around. You could get around fast. You could get around a lot of things, and they're a lot easier to maintain. Well, if you know motorcycles, they're going to be a little bit. I, I would think theoretically they'd be a little bit easier to maintain than you know a full-blown car. And again, you know, you don't need to need as much fuel for them because they do get a lot better gas mileage. And mind you, your only your tank's only holding a couple of gallons, but. You know, uh, you know uh, just a couple of days ago, I saw one of those Russian Urals with a sidecar. Oh, you did? Yay! With a with a sidecar, and I'm oh. like, yeah, that's a Z-Day vehicle. You know, you got to have the guy in the sidecar, right? Cover you with the 30 caliber. But uh... <laughs> I was going to say the Tommy gun from Dawn of the Dead, but that didn't work out so hot for that fellow. Ah, no. But uh, yeah, well then also, you know, we get, well one more thing we'll touch on because fuel. 
that's another thing that's your problem with your vehicles is fuel. I mean, do you start learning how to distill and make your own ethanol? Who's you know who's going to make gas when the gas starts running out? What are you going to run your vehicles on? You know. What was I watching where the problem was? You know, I do know it was it was actually Arc Two, where one of the problems was the local warlord was demanding a cut of everyone's harvest so he could make ethanol fuel to keep his vehicles going. And it was it was start it was cutting into everyone's calories and starting to cause you know a famine. Um, uh, yeah, that's the problem with ethanol. You're trading you're trading food for go juice. You can't yeah. drink you can't drink it after you've distilled it. Well, that's the other thing too is I think you know the types of vehicles that will probably last longer theoretically I think would be more diesel driven vehicles because diesel engines are a lot hardier than your standard gasoline engines and they could run on a little more diverse uh, range of fuel like like you know there's people who like get uh, scrap oil from restaurants and just Gwen, filter it. Gwen Callahan's brother drove around Portland for decades in a car that smelled like Indian restaurants because he'd go and get to get the grease and because because it was a diesel <laughs> engine diesel engines are a lot more diverse they could run on all kinds of different fuels so that I think I think whatever vehicle your post-apocalyptic vehicle you're gonna have if it's a vehicle a car you're probably gonna be best suited to have like a diesel engine in it because that's gonna be the one that's probably gonna because there's also less moving parts I gotta um, ask the question is there such a thing as a diesel motorcycle not that I'm aware not that I'm aware of either, but hey, it's the apocalypse. We can make anything happen. So, <laughs> well, I'm just curious. I mean, I know that you know if you want to travel in Latin America, you, you because most places down there don't have uh, unleaded gasoline. If you want to travel and you want to rent something here and drive over the border, you really ought to rent something that runs on diesel because they'll have diesel gas in the gas stations, but unleaded gasoline is 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 rare. Uh, the farther away you get from the border. Um, but just again, I just wonder off the top of my head, you know, okay, I realize diesel has a different kind of ignition system for the, <clears throat> for the cylinders. Uh, is it high enough power to, uh, does it have enough RPMs? Is it, you know, torque enough to be uh, a diesel motorcycle? That sounds like a really strange creature, a diesel motorcycle. Uh, turbo diesel, yeah, there's some out there. It looks like, but it's not. You know, it's not. I don't think there's any mass production ones from what I can see here. Uh, real quick. So yeah, and then also, hey, unless we get our cars running off of, uh, like I said, wood gas, you know, or steam powered, you know, like you know, get a little, uh, get a little steam engine there, you know, get driving, driving those, you know, your your old beat up uh, station wagons, right? Yeah. One thing I wanted to throw out, speaking of driving, is I posted to the um, Facebook page an article, uh, you know, uh, from um, theweek.com. The title was, If a Nuclear Bomb Exploded in Downtown Washington, What Would You Do? And apparently it was supposed to link to something called the National Capital Region Key Response Planning Factors for the Aftermath of a Nuclear Terrorism. And it's a document that's, uh, that was prepared for, by the Lawrence Livermore Laboratory and uh, was supposed to be on this um, Homeland Security website. But unfortunately, the link on the article is broken, uh, and the uh, when I searched the Homeland Security website, I could not find it. But one of the things that threw out was that the worst thing you can do for your survival in the immediate aftermath of, say, a dirty bomb 
is to run out, get in your car, and try and leave the area. Because you're more likely to be exposed to um, uh, fallout. You're more likely to be exposed uh, to various kinds of uh, panic and violence out there in the world as everybody uh, flips out trying to get out of the area. You're, it, was, it was interesting. Some of the things mentioned in the article were, you know, you know, stay put, find shelter, seal the place up as best you can, wait it out until, you know, uh, wait, wait the fallout out. And wait, wait, but, till you, wait till your neighbors come knocking down your door to shoot you and take your supplies, you know. Yeah, but the chances are that they all jumped in their cars and fled, you know, and cr and crammed every freeway and, you know, created the, 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 the world's biggest uh, parking lot. Uh, in the in the immediate aftermath, so that's why yeah. that's why you need a bicycle or a motorcycle to get around. Yay! Yeah. Yay! But I just wanted to throw that out that apparently getting up and moving immediately is not your best option according to the study. But so. we'll, have to, we'll have to track it down a little bit better and post it to the site. Post a link to the uh, the PDF. So that so that that that's a that's a good point to wrap it up because that's gonna that'll lead into next week's show. Um, uh, next, because next week, uh, folks, we're going to talk about "Give Me." You know, it's gonna, it is titled "Give Me Shelter." We're going to talk about besides traveling and getting around, you need a roof over your head. So <laughs> let's move on to that. We're, we're, next next week, we're going to talk about uh, you know shelter and where 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 are you gonna where are you gonna stake at, stake your uh, home you know homestead at uh, after the apocalypse. So, all right, folks, so this show, you know, we covered a lot of ground, you know, some of our favorite vehicles, some of the iconic vehicles in the apocalypse. We tried to talk some practicality with vehicles, you know, is what, was there any one best vehicle in the apocalypse? You know what, we're, we're really not going to know until Ragnarok comes. So, you know. Uh, didn't, didn't we miss Ragnarok? Ragnarok uh, came and went, didn't it? Yeah, of course it did. Yeah. It was, back, it, was back, it was back in what, March, if I remember correctly, or February? What I love is that nobody really attached, got all excited about Ragnarok. Everyone got all excited about Mayans and their calendar, but nobody nobody seemed to give a crap about I think, uh, I, think, I, think I might have noted it on my Facebook page. I, the, I, I, the, the Midgard Serpent and Fenry the Wolf. None of that shit. No, nobody cared. <laughs> no, because it's you know, not so interesting. Vikings get no respect. They get absolutely none. So, uh, so again, we're not really going to know what's going to be the best vehicles uh, until it actually happens. So, uh, we'll go around real fast. Um, Scott, any final thoughts? No, I have talked way too much. Clint, uh, do you have any final thoughts? It, do uh, it doesn't have to pertain to what we talked about either. So. Okay. Uh, loosely based, uh, pertaining to what we talked about. In the post-apocalyptic novel I'm writing, it's set in in Manitoba, which is stomping grounds, and it's set in a, uh, a magical nuclear winter, as it were. Uh, and you were talking about Ragnarok. Well, this is post-Ragnarok. So uh, my my protagonist walks a lot, and then he finds a snowmobile, which is good for him here. Uh, <laughs> not so much for you guys, maybe. But up well, here, no, well, well not not where I live. I, I live in the I live in the penis tip of the United States, so yeah, there's but, never any snow. If if he needs a snowmobile in Florida, the rest of us are dead. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's no way we're fixing that problem. We're just I we're just you're a Clint sickle. I'm a Scott sickle. That's it. You know we're not we're not doing too good. Yeah, if, he's, 
tooling around the peninsula on a fucking snowmobile. Well, you you, you mean you mean I mean you mean a, you mean a jet ski? Oh yeah, we have jet skis. We've got plenty of those. We've got plenty of water. Yeah, we, we we totally walked around things like uh, uh, Waterworld and their post-apocalyptic vehicles, like the oh Super oh yeah, his big boat. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I thought that was done on purpose. So um, I think I think subconsciously it was. <laughs> I can't. I honestly can't think of another water-based, you know, vehicle. Uh, post-apocalyptic thing besides that film. I mean, sure, there are a few boats that turn up, like in um, DEFCON 4, there's the boat they're going to escape in. Oh, we forgot about the vehicle from DEFCON 4. I love this little freaking shovel truck, you know, that he used. Oh, yeah, yes, yes, where he turned a, 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 what was it, like a, a, a steam shovel? Yeah, there was a bulldozer. It was like a a bulldozer. He armored it and put this crazy screw thing on the front, you know, to, like, take down a... And yet, people have done that. We had a maniac go maniac in America with an with a bulldozer or an earth mover that he armored up and drove around town crushing cars and smashing people's businesses. Do you remember that? It was like yeah, uh, yeah. Um, and when I saw that, the first thing I thought is, huh, that looks like Maury Shikin's, you know, post-apocalyptic mobile from Defcon Four. Okay, maybe he saw that movie, or maybe. Maniacs, you know, think alike. I don't know. Yeah, so I can't believe we forgot about we forgot about that vehicle from DefCon Four. I was thinking about it today to to mention that. So because because one of the things I remember about that is when they're escaping, he's driving around on the armored part, and there's the big scoop on the front that's like six. And they're out there hiding in it. Yeah, they're in it, shooting down, you know, firing down out of this little armored steel, you know, pillbox that they've got. Yes, I completely forgot about that. So. All right, and then uh, so, uh, um, oh, Clint, uh, where where can uh, anybody find any of your works from? The, you you had a, you have your own website, correct? Yes, uh, uh, I uh, I have a, a my own website www.baylor.com, uh, but I sell through armorcast.com. Uh, so they, I have a store at the Armorcast site for. Uh, uh, Baylor miniatures. So if you're looking for for uh, nasty robot miniatures, I have a, a few of them there, and at least in theory, we'll be uh, in expanding that range over time. Nice, thank you, Clint. We'll, throw, right. a link, we'll throw a link in below the uh, in the show notes. Yeah, sure. Thank uh, you. Wait, show notes. Um, <laughs> I'm well, so bad about it. that. I, I I gave up even trying to pretend that I was going to do it. Well, I'll get a I'll get I'll, for that. I'll get a link up there. Well, I have actually, folks. I have the link up there mm. on the the Facebook event page uh, in Clint's uh, bio. I have a link to his website there, so you can find uh, find it right. there. We'll get the does it link does that does your website link to the Armorcast site as well? Yes. To, uh, to find it. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that's up there, folks. All right, and uh, I don't got any final thoughts uh, for you know. As we've, again, we've talked too long as usual, but hey, you guys are used to it by now. So again, uh, next week we will be talking about uh, post-apocalyptic shelter. Where you know, what's the best type of shelter? Is it a castle? Is it uh, on the road in a tent? We'll talk about that at length uh, next week. So, and uh, we're out, we're out, we're actually doing it next week because that's was because uh, we had to skip a week because Scott was away at the film festival and he was really sick a week ago. So yeah, this is this is me when I'm feeling better. Yeah, he's yes. feeling better. So, uh, but we're gonna <laughs> but we're gonna go on track to uh, for next week as well. So we're gonna talk about shelters in the apocalypse. So, for 
Clint Staples, Adam Scott Glancy, and Jared Wallace. This has been Podcast at Ground Zero. Thank you, and good night.